0: All right, let's look in the book of Daniel if you'll turn with me please into Daniel chapter 3. It is a privilege to get to be here, be in the time of worship. It's a blessing and we're grateful for it. Appreciate, uh, appreciate this good church. Appreciate Brother Ricky. He's a blessing to us. We're grateful for that. I uh, feel somewhat out of place, all these fine preachers here. Um, sort of reminds me of uh, last week I was in a meeting. We had 35 or 40 preachers on Monday night And my wife was not with me, and a man from the church traveling with me was there. And and my wife asked me, said, who all was there? And I was telling her different people she would know that was in the meeting. And Brother Randy, you know what she said to me? She said, well, what did they have you preach for? They had all those good preachers there. And uh, I mean, I guess she was right. They did. Um, And I feel like a flop-eared mule in a room full of racehorses. Uh, this afternoon but all I know to do since that's what I am is to drop the gospel plow and try to preach what the Lord has laid on our hearts. So I want to thank you for already in advance for your attention and attentiveness to the Word of the Lord and I pray that God would help you and anoint you to hear as surely as he would anoint us to preach the Word of the Lord here this afternoon. If you found Daniel chapter 3 I would invite you to stand with us if you're able and willing and we will reverence the reading of the Word of the Lord from Daniel chapter 3. It is very familiar scripture. My granddaddy would say all scripture should be familiar scripture if we read our Bibles the way we ought to. But this is some of the most familiar scripture in the word of the Lord. And it is where God has directed our hearts today. And I would ask you to please tune in with us and give us your undivided attention for a little while. From Daniel 3, I want to read two verses. We'll preach from the entirety of the chapter if you hold your Bibles open. Brother Mays Jackson would say, get a pencil and make some notes and write some things down. And then he would say, beloved, I want you to look this way. I don't know how I'm supposed to write down while I'm looking that way, but that's what he would say. And uh, so maybe the Lord will put some things on your heart that you can record and use in the days ahead. Uh, Daniel 3 and 17, the word of the Lord says, and if it be so... Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now here's the text for, t- for this afternoon, when the three Hebrew boys simply say, we will not serve thy gods. I wanna preach if the Lord will help us this afternoon on why we will not worship the gods of this world, or why we cannot worship idols. Thank you for standing with us, you can be seated. Thank you so much. This is a familiar account of the Hebrew boys in the land of Babylonian captivity, They were there against their will. They were there where they did not fit in. They were there though they did not like it. They were there because they had to be there, but they did not embrace the culture. They did not embrace the practices, the morals or the gods of that land. You see, they were citizens of another country. Their allegiance was pledged to somewhere else and their love was invested in a land that was afar off. The king of Babylon had set himself up as some sort of God but the Hebrew boys would not recognize it. This statue was built in an answer to the word of the Lord that God had sent unto Nebuchadnezzar concerning the dream that he'd had in chapter number 2. In the chapter 2 he dreams about a statue with a head of gold and arms of silver and a belly of brass and legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. This statue was, of my friend, the Babylonian kingdoms actually the Gentile kingdoms of the world that would stretch all the way from the days of Babylon into the days of the Messianic kingdom when the Lord Jesus the Bible said would be that stone that would be hewn out of the mountain not made with the hands of man but made by the master builder that would come tumbling down into Babylon and there would smite the statue at the feet of iron and clay destroy the statue and be, uh, dig itself into the earth and become a mountain that filled the whole world. Uh, and I'm thankful Jesus is the stone that was hewn out of the mountain tumbling down into Babylon tearing down the kingdoms of this whole world. Yes. Babylon ranges really all the way from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. It is a likeness of the Gentile world, a likeness of the governments of men, a likeness of how that man rules and rules in corruption, and he rules in imperfection, and he rules in injustice. But praise God, we have a Savior who judges according to government that sits upon His shoulder. And Hallelujah for our Savior who carried a cross, and by means of the cross, He rules, and one day will superrule. Oh, Hallelujah! And Jesus is coming, my friend. He's not coming to make right the things of this old world. He's coming coming to set an end or a boundary to the things of this old world. He's not going to renovate, uh, have my friend a remodel, but he's going to remake everything and it's all going to be glory after a while. Hallelujah. And he will super rule this was the vision this was the dream the sermon of Daniel concerning and interpreting this dream was that the head of gold which was Nebuchadnezzar will pass and give way to the arms of silver that kingdom of my friend of the Medes and Persians divided empire two divisions Medes and Persians and into the belly of brass that is the great country of Athens Greece and uh, my friend of that great king and kingdom that they had that would then lend way to the Romans that is the legs of iron again a divided kingdom and it never would disappear but then would become tainted with uh, iron and clay mingled with the governments of men and the religion of men and that in the last days in the book of Revelation in chapter 17 and 18 have the two parts of those uh, of those feet that are mingled with religion and secularism a uh, uh, spiritual Babylon and secularism Secular Babylon will be torn down in the 17th chapter, religious Babylon, 18th chapter, secular Babylon. And I ain't got time to preach on that. That's not even what I'm supposed to be preaching on. But my friend, there will come a time when the Lord will tear it all down. Interestingly enough, in chapter 18 of Revelation, the way that it's coming to a close is when an angel casts a giant millstone into the sea of humanity in the last days. That's how Babylon's coming down in Revelation 18. The prophecy of God will come to pass. That's really all that I need for you to know and remember about that statue. The prophecy of God will come to pass. And if God has said it, he will do it. And no man can take from it nor add to it. Now, the will of God is not always done in this world. If it was, everybody would get saved. And everybody's not getting saved. Therefore, we know the will of God's not always done. But the plan of God, God cannot be stopped. He that shall come will come and he will not tarry. Whether you believe it or not, Jesus is coming. Whether you will receive it or not, Jesus is coming. My friend, hallelujah. I believe he's coming back just like he said. And I believe that the trumpet's going to sound so loud one day it'll raise the dead. Oh, bless his name. And I love you today if you don't believe in the rapture of the church. But I sure am glad that folks that don't even believe it the rapture of the church if they're saved and they can participate even though they don't know they believe in it. Amen. And we're leaving out my friend when the trumpet sounds and I'm looking for deliverance here real soon. We're living in a Babylonian world. I don't like the world we're living in. I don't like much of what's going on. I don't like the sin and the injustice and the immorality. I don't like to see the idolatry that's happening in our land. But praise God one day the Jones coming going to tear down the kingdoms of this whole world hallelujah and he will make everything right and I bless his name for that and now King Nebuchadnezzar didn't like that interpretation he said also God I will build that statue and I'll build it my way and I'll do it my way and I'll make it my way and I'll make everybody recognize it and accept it and agree to it and bow down to it and he built this statue and he set it up in the plain of Dura and then they began to sound the sound of the but sol- and the psalter and the harp and when the music began to play and all the princes and all the people that were gathered there he demanded that they would bow down and worship this idol which he had made his idol was much like that in his uh, dream it was a statue of a man had head had shoulders had a belly had legs had feet but it was all of consistent gold It was gold from the top to the bottom. That was Nebuchadnezzar's way of saying to God, your will will not be done. Your plan will not be accomplished. My kingdom will not pass. I don't think for a moment that Nebuchadnezzar thought he'd live forever, but it was his way of saying to the Lord, the dynasty of Nebuchadnezzar will stand. I'm yielding my kingdom to nobody. I'm relinquishing ground to nobody. God will find out. I'm going to this show. And my friend his statue had declared his defiance towards God and his word. He declared his dependence on nobody but himself. He declared his definition of his power as immutable and irrefutable. The statue was a demonstration of the king's pride. The word comes to him. There are three that are just not getting with the program. There are three that are just not tired of what you've called for. He said, say, it ain't so. And they said, yeah, These the three Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they'll not bow. And he said, it surely couldn't be so. And so he calls them unto himself and says unto them in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. It's remarkable, he calls them by those names. As a matter of fact, in verse 14, is it true? Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, this is not even their name. When they came out of the land of Jerusalem, their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the king knew that was their given names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But the king had done all he could to make Babylonians out of them. And my friend, he would feed them Babylonian meat and wine. He would school them in a Babylonian school. He would indoctrinate them with Babylonian doctrine. He would teach them Babylonian ways. Oh, but Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah would not embrace the things of Babylon. And now the testing time has come and the music has sounded and they're just standing there looking around wondering if anybody else is going to acknowledge what they know. And that is the king's statue is alive. We know it's a lie. We know it's false. We know it's not true. And we can't bow down and worship this idol. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, is it true? Oh, we'll answer to your Babylonian name. We'll live in your Babylonian town. We'll put up with or tolerate your Babylonian influences. We'll wear this silly hat and hose and coat that they threw them in to that fiery furnace in. And we might look like Babylonians standing here, but when you tell us to bow down to that Babylonian God, that's asking way too much. We're not even careful about answering you. Our God, who we serve, is able to deliver us. We haven't even had to give a whole great thought, a great deal of thought to this matter. This is not our God. It might be yours, but it's not ours. And we can't worship Babylonian gods. We'll wear this silly hat, but I'm not a Babylonian. How will wear them a silly code, but I'm not a Babylonian I'll answer that silly name it's not really my name but I'll answer to it but if you want me to bow down and identify with that Babylonian God you have asked way too much and there's somewhere where I draw the line I don't know if you're hearing me today or not but this world wants to determine my friend when and where and how and what and who we worship but when it comes to who we serve and who we worship. And the God, my friend, that we trust in, we just cannot worship the gods of this whole world. We cannot bow the knee to their idols. We cannot, my friend, go along with the ruse, my friend, the game, the folly that is the gods of this whole world. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 9 teaches us who have been saved that we have turned from, to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Exodus chapter 34 and 14 says, for thou shalt worship no other God for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Hey, you know, y'all not even let the names. Have these other gods come out of your mouth? I have. I'm sure others in this building have. I have. I've tried to discipline myself not to do this I have at times you know Easter Sunday come around I'd call the name of some false god or another or another or the prophet of some false god and say today he's in the grave he's dead but Jesus is alive and that is true but I don't even call their names any longer you see Exodus 23 and 13 says and in all things that I have said unto you be circumspect and make no mention of the name of other gods oh, he neither let it be heard out of thy mouth you see the false gods do not even deserve the privilege of having their, of their names to proceed out of the mouth of a child of God there is no God besides him besides him there is none else we ought not to even lead credence unto them there is none like the God of Jesuit rideth in the heavens in thy help underneath there is everlasting arms. He's securing me and all the way around me. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you there is none like unto him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Matthew 4 and 10. Jesus told the old booger man I get thee in Satan for it is written thou shalt worship the Lord God and him only shalt thou serve. The time would come the gold would run its course and my friend the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar and his cohorts Babylon would fall the handwriting would come on the wall and God would say unto the king but thou hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven and have brought the vessels of his house before thee thou and thy lords and thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in thee and thou hast praised the gods of silver and of gold and of brass and of iron and wood and stone which see not nor hear nor know and the God in whose hand thou Breath is, and whose are all thy ways? Hast thou not glorified? And God said unto him, Meaning, meaning, Tikal, you farce, you've been numbered, weighed, and counted, weighed in the balances, and found wanting. And tonight your kingdom will be taken from you. And my friend, that night the king died, and the kingdom passed and from the head of gold, and to the shoulders and arms of silver, and the prophecy of God. And my friend carried over just like he said and today my friend Nebuchadnezzar is just a thing of history and Nebuchadnezzar is a thing of days gone by but praise God we don't even know where the gold is that made up that statue in the plain dera and nobody knows where to even find it and yet we know where to find God hallelujah because that statue wasn't him we can't worship the gods of this whole world they cannot Last, cannot last. So let me just give you real simple and easy here. What the word of the Lord teaches what I believe I see in this passage of scripture about this God and why we can't worship the idols or the gods of this whole world. I have so much I can preach about Babylon. I I have to try not to get distracted there. My friend, but uh, I thank the Lord that that is what God is able to keep us from. To keep us from getting distracted with Babylon. To keep us from getting distracted with the things of this world with the temptations that Babylon brings into our lives and we can live for God even in this Babylonian day oh but listen they refuse to worship the idol I'm going to give you three three real E's Reasons why we cannot worship the gods of this world. First of all, they refused to bow because the idol was the wrong size. They couldn't worship this God. He was the wrong size. Look at chapter three and verse number one. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits. That's 90 feet tall. And the breadth thereof was six cubits. That's nine feet wide. And he set it up in the plain. of Dura in the province of Babylon. They could not worship this God because he was the wrong size. That is, he could be measured. If you can tell me what size your God is, then he's the wrong size. Are you listening to me? I mean, friend, hey, a 90 foot tall chunk of gold, 9 foot wide chunk of gold would have probably been the biggest piece of gold anybody had ever seen in their lives. And those three Hebrew boys looked around, pointed at that thing, and said, We can't worship some little bit of God like that. He's the wrong size. Oh, bless his name. Oh, thank God. And their God was limited in size. If he can be measured, he's too small. If he can be measured, he ain't big enough. Oral Roberts said several years ago that he had a vision, saw Jesus, and is 90 feet tall. Preacher, man, around our church said that's man's, that's that man's problem he's got a little bit of Jesus amen but I'm glad we serve a great big wonderful God he said in Isaiah 66 and 1, that the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool God is bigger than your troubles he's bigger than your idols he's bigger than your doubts bigger than your sin bigger than your guilt he cannot be measured he's he's not limited how You can't put a tape on him. You can't just sound him out. You can't figure him out. You can't measure his beginning and the ending. His strength, his capacity, his size, his ability. It cannot be quantified. If you can measure your God, he ain't big enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He can't be measured in inches, feet, mileage or meters. He cannot be measured in weight, in grams or pounds. He cannot be measured in time, whether seconds or minutes or hours or years. He cannot be measured with a ruler. He can't be measured with a radar. He can't be measured with a telescope. We just got a great big wonderful God. If your God can be measured, he's the wrong size. He's bigger than whatever all of our explanations are of him. He's bigger than our expectations of him. He's bigger than our exaltations of him. God is bigger than all of that. Hallelujah. 90 foot tall, 9 foot wide, it's a little bitty God. We can't worship nothing like that. Limited in size. Oh, he was limited in scope. The idol was gold from head to toe. It was gold at the top. That stood for Babylon. But it was gold all the way through. That stood for Babylon. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah have a problem. They're not Babylonian. They said we can't worship some God that's only for Babylonians when we're not Babylonians. We can't worship some Babylonian God when we don't even belong here. We don't want to be here. We're not one of them. He's not our God they're not our people amen we can't worship something like that matter of fact tall is what he is 90 feet tall out in the plain of Dura, sun come up in the morning it cast quite a shadow across the ground but it didn't reach all the way to Jerusalem amen I mean friend, it only covered Babylonian people Is anybody listening this afternoon we can't worship a God whose scope is limited to just certain people People. My friend, who can be saved. But we can worship whosoever will, God. We can worship a coming to me, God. We can worship whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, God. Woo! Oh, bless his name. My friend, hey, we can worship a God who it's not his will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. That's a God we can worship. We can't worship a God that's limited in scope. Amen. The shadow might not have been cast over us and our families. I might have been in hell today where my friend that God was limited in scope. But since he reached from the guttermost to of the uttermost since he saved sinners I qualified and I worship that kind of Savior. Woo! Oh bless his name. Hallelujah hallelujah had a fellow come into my office recently and he asked me he said are you related to any of the powers in this area and I thought oh no he probably knows some of them and uh, I said yes sir I imagine so I said I suppose about all of us around here this powers is kin folks to one another at least one way or another branch kin some kind of kin you know someone we probably don't claim but they're kin and he started calling off the names of them I thought boy he knew all the real winners didn't he And, uh, he said, you're different than most of them. I said, how is that? He said, well, you're sober and employed. I mean, that was a good start. Had the Lord been saving rich folks, I'd have been left out. Had He been saving refined folks, I'd have been left out. Had He been saving religious folks, my family would have been left out. Had my friend been saving righteous folks, we all would have been left out. But since He saves ruined folks, we all qualified. Since He saves Sinners, we all qualify. We can't serve a God with limited scope. Praise God! I can't worship a God that can only save certain people. But praise God, one who can save anybody. We worship Him, Amen. Amen limited in size and limited in scope. And, and then they said, well, you know, he's look at him. He's limited in strength. We can't worship a God like that. He's a weakling. Matter of fact, he can't do nothing. Amen. Have they been picking on us ever since we arrived in Babylon? I don't know why you keep praying to an invisible God. We got lots of good gods here in Babylon. We know we make them ourselves. I mean, we got lots of good gods. Why don't you pick one of them out and worship them? They said, look at him. He can't do nothing. We can't worship a God that can't do anything. Why, he's an idol. He could do nothing. He was formed of man's hands. 1 Corinthians 8 and 4 said, the idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. I mean, this idol couldn't hear prayers. This idol couldn't couldn't answer prayers. This idol couldn't save lost folks. This idol couldn't forgive sins. This idol couldn't bless them family. And these three boys said, we can't worship a God that can't do any more than that. I mean, he's the wrong size. He can be measured. Secondly, he's the wrong sort. He can be melted. (sighs) I mean, we can't serve some God or worship some God that soon as it gets hot, he melts. I mean, soon as the heat comes on, he starts to shrink up. I mean, he was gold to shape this idol. They had to melt him down and form him in the image that they had determined. They said, we can't worship some God that you made up and that melted in your fire. That fellow, You mean to tell us if we don't worship him, y'all gonna throw us in the fire? How are we gonna survive that? That fire if all we got's a God that melts when the heat's on. I mean we need somebody who can walk through the fire with us. We need somebody who can stand the heat. We need somebody who can deliver us from the flame. There is a place somewhere below I've heard and read about. They say that people when they go can never come back out. Oh praise God a place of torment for lost souls who've turned the Lord away. They say the fire burns all night because there is no day but I've escaped that awful place when Jesus saved my soul and not one hair upon my head will into that place go.
1: Woo! No, I don't have to worry For the Savior took my part The only fire I'll ever feel Is burning in my heart We've got a God That'll stand when the world's on fire
0: He can withstand the heat Amen Woo Bless his name Hallelujah When the fiery trials of life Come in your way When you experience the heat when they turn the furnace up seven times hotter you can look at the king of Babylon and say, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. For our God whom we serve can measure up to the fire. He's able to deliver us from your burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand because our God is not the wrong sort. He cannot be melted. Hallelujah. Praise God and the Lamb forevermore. He's the wrong size they said. He can be measured. He's the wrong sort they said. He can be melted. And i am finished with this. At least that's the way I used to tell my oldest or middle girl is I say, I'm beginning to finish. She saw me here a while back. She said, Daddy, you say you're finishing and then you preach another 20 minutes. She said, "It next sort of like fibbing? I thought I got to come up with a better way to say that. So now I say, I'm beginning to finish. And Caitlin will just roll her eyes at me. She knows that don't mean nothing. Amen. And so I am beginning to to finish. My friend, they refused to bow because the idol was the wrong size, could be measured, wrong sort. He could be melted. They refused to worship the gods of this world because the idol was the wrong setup. He could be moved. Hallelujah. I mean, look at what verse number one says. It said in the breadth of it was six cubits and he set it up. In the Plain of Dura. In the province of Babylon. Can't you see all them people out there with a 90 foot chunk of gold? Somebody said, what is that thing? Oh, this is our new God. Really? Yeah, come around here and help me prop him up. (laughs) Oh. Careful now! If we don't st- if we don't stabilize him just right, he might fall over. I mean, be real careful now. Got to set up the foundation good. If not, if we're not real careful, our God may fall flat on his face. I mean, listen, we can't worship something like that. That's something that may move around. That's something that fall over. That's something, my friend. You can't. Oh, somebody standing over on the side. You're a big boy. You can handle it. Stand up with me here. Have somebody standing on the side. And they sort of get tired in that hot Babylonian sun, And to start to prop up, quit that, stop it. You're going to knock him over. I sure would hate to know I had a God I couldn't lean on. Amen. I need one once in a while to get tired. I can just sort of prop up on him. And my friend, when I can't stand, I can lean on
1: his everlasting arm. I can't serve a God. And my friend, that can be moved and has to be set up. Amen.
0: Oh, friend! Hey, how they they made him, and then they moved him, and then my friend, they propped him up. That's a problem with idols. You always gonna have to keep propping them up. Amen. After you've moved them, and after you've after you've melted them, rather, and then you have molded them, and then you make them, and then you move them, then you're gonna have to maintain them. I mean they put that Ark of the Covenant in there with that Philistine God and every morning they'd come in to check on him and the God would be slammed over on his face. I wonder how this happened. They'd come in and find his hands and his feet and all cut off. Hallelujah. We can't worship gods like that. Gods that are here today and yonder tomorrow, we can't worship gods like that you see the God of the Babylonians was a statue but the God of the Hebrews was a stone hallelujah hey man friend and the God that is the God of the Hebrews that is our God he is the stone that was hewn out of the mountain that tore down the kingdoms of this world and then he dug in and made himself a mountain and filled the whole earth I thank God we have a rock to rest on and we have a cleft to hide in and we have a foundation to stand on on. hallelujah he's a rock that I'm leaning on and their rock is not under our rock rock of age is kept for me let me hide myself in thee praise God we've got a rock amen yeah. hallelujah hallelujah I mean our rock doesn't move amen everybody needs something that's stable in their lives You need something stable, something secure, something you can count on, something you can believe in, something that's steady. My wife likes to move the furniture. She doesn't think the house has been properly cleaned until she has also rearranged the furniture. I am of the opinion that furniture should go wherever you choose to begin with and remain there until it is gone forever. I don't like to see the furniture moved. I uh, batched it. I was six months living by myself before my wife and I got married, and I had all the things set up in the little home that we would live in—a little two-room house that had no bathroom. And I built a little bathroom out on the porch. You'd go out the porch and go to the bathroom, and uh, they, and had a little bath out there. And, and of course, you'd hurry back in because in the winter time it is cold, and in the summer time it is hot. But there wasn't much use to hurry back in in the summer because it's hot in the house too. Amen. And we had a uh, Sears and Roebuck fan had them came over on the Mayflower and that's the only way we cooled the house so but at least you could get close to the fan if you come in and I had all my furniture in the place where I wanted it my that church and a pastor. I was just a teenage preacher boy but the little country church where I pastored had given me a lazy boy recliner and it was more expensive than our whole house and I loved that lazy boy recliner I mean it was the stuff I came in late one night after a revival meeting and uh she had come to service but went home before me Had I drove home she don't like to wait around after everybody's done she's impatient and impulsive she's always in a hurry Hey, you men that complain about your wife being late all the time my wife hadn't been late to anything in her whole life but she'll sometimes leave before it's over but she's not late and so she'd left and gone home already and she'd gone on to bed I came in tired shaking hands with everybody and all this stuff I came in tired I went to the place where my lazy boy recliner was supposed to be in the dark and I decided I'd just sort of ease over there and sit down in my reclining chair I eased to where the chair was supposed to be I dropped my Bible and my bag down in the floor and then I proceeded to just flop into my chair only thing was the chair had been moved my throne was no longer available and of course I didn't the light on because I didn't want to wake my wife up. But when I flopped in the floor, I woke the wife up. And she came come in there checking on me to see what's going on. And she came come in saying, what'd you do? Are you okay? And I didn't look at my sweet, dear wife that we hadn't been married for a short time. and to say anything nice. I said, what'd you move it for? And she was all tore up. You didn't like the way I cleaned the house. And so we had to have some rules. And there are some things you can move but there's some things just got to stay put hey and she moves all the rest of it but there's one chair that stays in its place hallelujah everybody needs something that don't move While well, this preacher's giving in on this that one's compromising on that and this church has given up this and that you need something in your life that doesn't change you need somebody that stays the same you need a place you can go to
1: that's not shifting sand. I'm telling you, that is Jesus. That's why we worship Him. He never changes. Yes. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. You see, some folks you hadn't seen them in a while, and absolutely you wouldn't recognize who they were. And they said, Brother Toby, I hadn't seen you in forever. Why, you hadn't changed one little bit. I'll just grin and smile and say, well, What about that? i never tell them they hadn't changed one little bit because they have. And I don't know if they think I hadn't changed or if their eyes just got bad. Time has made a change in me and in you. But it hadn't made a change in God. He never moves. Now notice what your Bible says here. I am really beginning to close. Verse number one. He set it up in the plain of Dura. Verse number two, end of the verse. Which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Middle of verse number three, Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, end of verse number three, before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Is anybody picking up on trend here? Nine times this Bible says about that idol that he was set up. Verse number five. Into the verse, Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. Verse number seven. Into the verse, Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Seven, verse, had set up. Uh, down in verse number uh, verse number twelve. Into the verse, uh, golden image which thou hast set up. Uh, verse number fourteen. Into the verse, golden image which I have set up. Uh, verse number eighteen. Into the verse. Uh, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. I don't know if you understand this or not, but the whole thing was a set up. yeah. yeah. yeah was a ruse. It was pretend. Even Nebuchadnezzar knew that was not a god. They were all denying the truth. They were all lying. They were all pretending, and they demanded
1: that the Hebrew boys, and my friend, make a make believe
0: with them. They knew what they were saying was not true. Yet they demanded that you affirm what they claimed. I'm going to say something right here. If it's worries, you come get in my pocket because I'm fixing to say it anyhow. Everybody on planet Earth knows that Leah Thomas is not a girl. And if you don't know who that is, praise God, you're better off than the rest of us. Everybody on planet Earth knows that Bruce Jenner is not a girl. Amen. He may or may not be much of a man, but he will never be a woman. Hey, Amen. Oh, my, my, my. He Everybody with an ounce of sense knows that most of what we've seen, in my friend the last 15, 20 years, especially the last two years, out of public officials in our lifetime, most of it is political theater. It is falsities. It is lies. It is Babylonianism. It is make-believe. It is not true. And yet they demand you affirm their assertions. They demand you play make-believe and we cannot worship their gods. Does anybody listen to preaching? We can't pretend that men are women and women are men and that you can be whichever one you choose, whatever time you choose. We can't pretend that it is, uh, that it is somehow or another, uh, my friend, compassionate to let little boys and girls, uh, my friend, with gender dysphoria uh, just go ahead and go off in that direction and act like it's all right and affirm them uh, and let them mangle their bodies when they're not even old enough to understand what they're doing. When they all need, my friend, they both need medical help and they need a blessed. Savior how to change your lives we cannot affirm what this world is doing I 'm gonna say something else I 'm getting to feel too much at home and that's dangerous y'all put now listen please tell me to sit down and shut up if I say something too much here but I can't walk around with a piece of cloth on my face pretending like it's doing something
1: that
0: I know it's not. I'd rather walk around with a set of cat pistols on and a cowboy hat and telling everybody I'm Wyatt Earp. It would be closer to the truth than for me to pretend what this world pretends and for me to go along with the make-believe that is in this world. Are you kidding me? I mean, friend, who are we kidding? A bunch of boys playing in the band. My friend, the ball games, haven't to got a mask with a hole in the middle of it, just stick their instruments in so they can breathe into their woodwinds. I'm pretending that mask has done something. Who are we kidding? Think Take what you want to of it. It is an idol. It is a talisman. It is a God of this whole world. We can't worship it. The last idol that's torn down in Babylon is that my friend of their sorceries of their sorceries am I not preaching right? Revelation 18 it's through their sorceries that they deceive the world. That is the world pharmakia. It is my friend through the magical thinking of the God of medicine that they deceive the whole world and that was the last idol that was torn down in Babylon Yes, yes. That's very true. Amen it's a sermon for the times. It might be one that ain't real popular, but it's a sermon for the times. I used to wonder how the, how the, uh, how the Antichrist could get everybody to follow behind him and to believe him or pretend like what he was is true. And then the Donald Trump introduced us to a man named Anthony Fauci. And now I can see how the world would do just that. And they chase things off in the ditch and pretend like things they know are not true are true. And it's idol worship is what it is we can't pretend something's true when it's false we can't pretend we're following the truth when it moves all the time when it changes all the time now listen the science might change science doesn't change the science changes scientism changes but my friend God never changes hallelujah hallelujah that's why we need church now as much as ever that's why we need camp meetings now as much as ever. And pajama church ain't the same thing as church. Amen. Cheetos and Netflix and your pajamas sitting at the house and pretending to say that you're watching a preacher in one hand How while you're playing video games with the other It's not the same thing as going to church. Hallelujah. We can't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, even so much the more as we see the day approaching. That is worshiping idols. We just can't do it. Hallelujah. The world has their idols they're made of gold, silver, they're celebrities, pop icons, politicians, billionaires. I don't know if you know who John Facenda is. That name sound familiar? The booming voice of NFL films in the 70s and 80s. He had an amazing voice. John Facenda said, I may be the only preacher you ever heard quote John Facinda in the closing words of his message. John Facenda said, that the Greeks found their gods resting in the mountains of Mount Olympus. He said America finds hers tumbling into end zones in Miami, Los Angeles, Pasadena, and New Orleans. We cannot worship the gods of this world. Men will become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They found that their gods in power and popularity and the approval of men. Their gods are possessions and pleasures and recreation. But the child of God must refuse to worship their idols. And if you'll not bend and you'll not bow, then you'll not burn. And our God will go through the fire with us. And He'll give you liberty and not bondage. And He'll never leave you or forsake you. Even when the whole world wields their powers and turn against you. And He's not limited is not lacking and you can put your life into his hands and turn from yourself and the things of the world and what the world idolizes and turn to serve the living God today. Turn, turn from self and sin and Satan and sensual lust and stubborn ambitions to the Savior, to the Scriptures, to the Spirit-filled Christian life, to sacrifice, my friend, to do that, uh, that life and that, he is, uh, that he is yielded to the things God desires of us. Yes. When you remove yourself from the throne, there'll be room for Jesus to set His king in your life. But while we're in this old Babylonian world, I don't belong here and I'm not home yet and I'm not a part of this world. That's right. and I don't even want to be here, my home, and my heart is invested somewhere afar off. Yes, sir. While I'm here, I'll put up with a lot. I'll tolerate much. But I draw the line when they ask me to affirm their idols. Amen. Amen. You see, even my own wife, I love, I love that little woman. We've been married 28 years. I love her more than life itself. When we first started seeing one another, I was a teenage preacher boy. One reason why that I love her is because I was able to say this to her and she still loved me. I told her in the very beginning, you need to know what you're getting into. At very best in my life, at very best, all you'll ever be able to be is number two. Because First place is already taken up
1: yes. in my life. Amen.
0: And she stayed around. Amen. You can't love father or mother or brother or sister or even your own life That's more than him Amen. and be fit Amen. to be his disciple. Yes. God have mercy on us. May we
1: worship the Lord.